0: There's this progressive Pittsburgh with this progressive history. And that's not just about the Underground Railroad, but it's about the development of labor and gender advancements and, and, the, and that philanthropy even. There's just this whole idea of all of these people trying to create a beloved community. And then there is this other side of Pittsburgh. Being an American Studies scholar, I knew that Pittsburgh served as a microcosm of all of America.
1: Hello, and welcome to Among Neighbors, a podcast about race, power, and privilege. I'm Andy Conti, Director of the Center for Media Innovation at Point Park University. And as always, I'm joined by Barbara Johnson, Vice President of the Center for Race and Gender Equity at YWCA Greater Pittsburgh. Barbara, hello. Hi, Andy. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. You know, people who've been traveling through the Lower Hill District probably have noticed a lot of changes taking place there. There's all these work crews or going in and they're adding a cap over the Crosstown Expressway and starting construction on the site where the former Civic Arena used to be. But I think people view this area differently depending on their unique perspective, right?
2: Absolutely. I think that there's definitely a a history that even predates the long gone arena. Um, I'm not a native Pittsburgher, but I certainly remember learning about the history of the Hill District and having colleagues who work there and certainly the issues of power and
1: privilege continue to
2: rise in neighborhoods across the region.
1: Yeah I mean I think some of it goes back to you know what your, your obviously your perspective is like how old you are you know <laughs> do you do you remember what was there before the civic arena and and then for people who grew up at the civic arena you know it was kind of a marvel to a lot of people the idea that you had this huge arena with the you know, had this aluminum dome that opened up and you could see the stars and and so for a lot of people they're nostalgic for that period um but it's obviously that that the civic arena itself caused a lot of pain for people who lived in that area originally um you know for uh, this episode we got we have today where we, we talked with someone who uh, played a key role in that site's history and uh, by coincidence still has her hand in it today
2: Yeah, you know, again, not being a Pittsburgher, I remember um, all the talk about the arena and, you know, how cool of a place it was. And I my first experience there was going to a Prince concert. So I certainly uh, was able to appreciate the joy of that space. But also, you know, on the flip side, having um, learned more about the history before that and and having an understanding of how that community, the Hill District community really spread. Into that, um, into that space. So yeah, we have with us, Dr. Kimberly Ellis. She works as a historian. She's definitely uh, one of the local activists in our community and she is a very amazing uh, performer and writer. So she's joining us today to really give us some background and perspective about the Lower Hill District from a historical perspective, both its past and moving forward to its present and how uh, she sees the Hill District moving into a strong future. So let's get to our conversation with Kim.
0: Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
2: Kim, I remember when I uh, first met you, you did a presentation at Carlo on black, uh, women, I think it was on women in the Black South, cow, cowboys in the Black
0: South, Black yeah, Cowboys. it on the Black West. Um, yes,
2: yes. And I was like fascinated by that presentation. I was like, wow, because it was so rare, at least in my circles, that I would run across someone who was really doing research on Black people in America and, you know, these unusual pockets that you might find. Um, people that, you know, we just didn't learn about in our history.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was actually a fun, I I, I was as excited um, to explore it because I um, chose to focus on the American West while I was in graduate school and ironically enough that is what led to me writing my dissertation on uh, the Tulsa massacre of 1921 um, it led me there but but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of great information that we can gather um when we look at the black west when we look at the black south in fact and and reconstruction and everything so i suspect we're going to talk about all of that today
1: absolutely what about so I'm, you you know since you opened this up what about black pittsburgh um, because I've seen stories where you talk about Pittsburgh being a, a destination on the Underground Railroad, and yet at the same time, we know that, you know, and we've seen it especially in, in the last year, last few months, this idea that, you know, it's really become a hotbed for white supremacy as well. So where does Pittsburgh fit into all of that?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, Pennsylvania is very interesting, and Pittsburgh is very interesting. You know, so I, I'm i a newer historian on Pittsburgh history, I want to say, um, I may have started, I guess, about 12 to 15 years ago, something like that, but I still say new because there's just so much that I'm learning, and this was not, you know, my, literally my hometown was not the place that I um, chose to focus my studies upon, right, so I came back, and I, I, um, I was literally working in the historical present, and so, as a historian, I had to—I I wanted to understand the context in which I was working, because I came home, and there were different things happening in the community, and I needed to engage on an activist and organizing level. But I wanted to understand what's the context beyond. Now, now I—I came with um, the stories of my elders. You know, I came with. Um, with those oral histories and that that those things they remain important um but i also needed to get more information and so i just kind of started reading started studying going places revisiting museums i i I visited when you know when i was a child Um, and so what i learned is that there really have been two pittsburgh's Mm. and that's a part of the reason why there are still two pittsburgh's uh, at least two, you know. And so it was it was exciting actually to learn about Pittsburgh's progressive history. And that is what I have been choosing to remind everybody of. Like as a historian, as a and as a public intellectual, and yet my physical self was battling present Pittsburgh and that racial history. Um, so I was in a dual, I've been in like this dual relationship the entire time. And maybe now, you know, maybe now when we, when we get there, we'll talk about it. maybe Maybe now I'm finally able to like merge my two selves. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I came back and I was I was dealing with um, various entities who were basically like disrespecting our community, you know, and 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 also they were sharing a narrative that was only partially true, and I found that to be the case in in the way that the media, you know, represented our neighborhood. Um, and I also found it to be the case in the way that even the black media um, was celebrating the present; they were honoring things that were happening, but they were they were suffering like disinvestment and and like lack of profit the entire time. So, you know, news newspaper, all newspapers started to go down, as you all know. Um, but it was painful to kind of watch the disintegration of the New Pittsburgh Courier. Um, as I was here and like the only competing narrative to the mainstream narrative that the Hill District was just basically like a crime infested place that had in many ways like outlived its usefulness, I guess. And meanwhile, I live here, you know, so what do you mean, you know? And I live here as a black professional um, because I went to school outside outside of Pennsylvania. I went to Emory University in Atlanta And then I went on to get my master's at the University of Connecticut. And then I went on to get my doctorate in one of the top 10 American studies programs at Purdue University. Um, And then I went to, then I came back home to write my dissertation. And so that's kind of where um, it started and
1: yeah. (laughs) Would you you mind if we talk a little bit about our relationship, how we know each other, because it's, (laughs) you you were kind of like dancing around it just now, but uh, I, you know, I was a reporter at the Tribune Review for many years and was covering the, the casino process here in, in Pittsburgh when they were trying to decide where the casino was going to go. And the Penguins, of course, were trying to get a, a the Isle of Capri Casino for the Hill District. And that was one of my beats. And um, you came back around that time, I think, right? And um, not a lot of mainstream reporters didn't know who you were. And sort of suddenly you showed up and <laughs> it was like, who is this Dr. Goddess? And what's she, what's she all about?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting because, you know, I grew up, and I am definitely a community girl. You know, my first job was at Am Cultural Center. Um, I took dance class at Ammon Recreation Center. I went to Saint Benedict the More Grade School, so I w- I went to Saint Benedict the More Church. So that literally covers the lower, middle, and upper hill. All of those activities, um, and I had friends all over. So I, you know, everybody in the neighborhood. You know, I won't say everybody. That's not fair. But many people in the neighborhood definitely knew me. They call me, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, you know, you're always their baby. So, you know, you get, hey baby. <laughs> um, and so they knew who I was and it was actually my neighbors who told me what was happening. Um, and I was preparing, I, you know, I had come back. Um, yeah, yeah, I had come back and I was, Dr. Goddess is my stage name. Um, I, you know, I have a background as a performing artist But um, basically, in terms of my family history, which I I do realize is ironic, but but um, in terms of my family history, uh, my my parents were not. My parents wanted me to get a good education. They did. They they did not think that investing in the arts was going to be fruitful for me, Um, and and that was like early on. You know, even when I was a child, right? So. My uncle, August Wilson, he didn't become famous really until I was like 14 and 15. So I'm just saying that I was rooted in this idea that education was the most important thing I could possibly do to set myself on the right course um, in life. And um, let me see, why did I say that? Oh yeah, so, so when I, ca- I came back home from grad school Mm -hmm. and so I literally moved back into you know I I moved back into my mother's house and it was supposed to be temporary and I filled her basement with all of my belongings and lived in my childhood you know bedroom home and um, it was hilarious but it was it was fun to be back with my mother Um, but so when I came back home I was preparing for a show and I remember Well, I had been home, you know, I had been home like since the fall, but then let's say the spring came, right? And then I was preparing for this show and it was like, I came home one day and my neighbor handed me um, some type of a, some type of like kind of marketing, some type of, you know, folder, not folder, but like, you know, just some type of like flyer. And, and she was complaining about this group and, and what they were trying to do and, and I didn't, I didn't really understand what was happening, but I listened to her. But I know that that's where I heard it from. It was actually a neighbor. And um, when I heard, like they're trying to, br- they're trying to bring a casino here, and this is foolishness. And w- you know, I don't know what this is. And so she had questions. I had questions. And it just so happened that you know, when I looked in my email, I saw that there was a community meeting coming up to talk about the Hill District and uh the casino coming and and what this was all about so i went to the meeting and that's where it all began <laughs> yeah. yeah so I,
1: it it always seemed to me like your um your stage performance and your street performance sort of all came together in that moment and you were because you really became in many ways the, the face of that movement against uh, you know opposition to the the casino in the hill district
0: yeah i mean i went to the community meeting um I learned a lot at that meeting, but I also, I, I didn't intend on doing anything. I just, um, I, I saw like the tremendous opposition that, that community members had. And then I heard, you know, but we haven't had development in here in so long, right? And I, I heard that too. Uh, and then I heard, but what about the jobs? And then I heard, you know, we need to get the kids off the street Um, and I heard, I heard many things, right. And so I learned later on how to sort out that information and how to, how to really manage everybody's expectations when it came to this development. And so I think the, the, the quickest thing is that I immediately thought about Atlantic city. I knew that there had been opposition and that there had been um, that that the dreams and the hopes in Atlantic City did not pan out for the residents I knew that just from reading news yeah. and I knew nothing I knew nothing about casinos I, I didn't have any I wasn't pro or con gambling <laughs> you know I you know'm I'm, I'm all about personal freedom so I'm like if you want to lose your money that's fine but but just the whole idea of the development in the, in the casino and so basically I learned that, more community members did not want it, but some of them felt a little tied. Like, you know, if we oppose this casino, does it mean that we won't get anything else in our neighborhood ever again? And so that was that was sad to me. That was a sad, those were sad options. And I started to really pay attention to development in a new way. Um, and I'm so glad that I, I did. And so long story short, um, I remember going to another meeting and and now I'm not the only person that heard that the community did not want it and did not prefer it and preferred a different type of development. And so I looked to the NAACP, you know, that like literally in the president's eyes. And I thought like, okay, what, you know, what do you have to say? Because they they brought people were all going around. This was like in a second meeting. And the NAACP literally stated our official position is that we're neutral.
2: Oh.
0: And I was like, neutral? You're the NAACP? <laughs> you know, like, what do you mean? And so all I know is that I started to hear more echoes of we're neutral. And so are we, and so are we. And with each claim of neutrality my heart sunk Mm -hmm. and I knew then that this can't happen like this you know that that's when my the wheels started churning and Addie B. Wells was leaping up (laughs) her spirit was leaping out and saying uh this is your job sweetheart and I was like oh no (laughs) no (laughs) I mean, I I kid you not, I remember just thinking, please don't, I don't want this assignment. Like I don't, but you just can't say no. And um, so I just said, yes. And then I just thought, well, you know let me make it very clear that the neighborhood they don't want this. You know, there are, there's a handful of people that might think that this is okay but most of the people don't want it. And that led me to stand out uh, by myself. Wait, no, that no, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I I don't want to skip skip ahead. But um it, it did lead me to stand outside by myself on Freedom Corner, but that was actually months later. Um, because I was working on this arts project, I decided I would make the debate and the protest and arts project kind of interestingly enough to get the public engaged in the conversation around whether or not, you know, having this casino would be good and also you know, art, you, I want to say art imitates life, but in this, in this scenario, art was preceding life. Yeah. And so I made protest signs for this arts project. And I, and I did this poem for the arts project and kind of framed what was happening in the Hill District, just the rumblings for the arts project. And I remember that um, it was called Fire. The show was called Fire. And I did it with Vanessa German and Rupa Singh. Mm-hmm and um and it was called it was called like F I R E <laughs> and um so i you know I, ironically enough i mean this is so funny but i used the budget to make the protest signs and things like that and sure enough i took all those signs home and i brought them back out when we actually had to have the real protest yeah. but people loved it like even even from the performance um there were many Pittsburghers that came, so it wasn't just Hill residents, right? And we were down at um, at uh, um, Tammy Dixon. Oh dear, what's the theater? Oh, um, Bricolage. Sorry, we were at Brickalodge, and so it was engaging, right? It was engaging. It it, it involved I, immediately the whole the whole question, the whole debate, the whole concern involved like a clear. Um, uh, you know, a microcosm of Pittsburgh and a clear interracial group and a, and, a you know, different classes because they came to the performance. And so um, that's, how, that's how it started.
1: Barb, you wanna jump in?
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say, when you talked about the uh, uh, interracial group at the performance, did you find um, there to be interracial support moving beyond the performance?
0: Yeah, immediately, immediately. Yeah. Um, from what I, re- so, so I remember that um, the irony of the situation is that I learned that the the last date for public input, and this is what, this is so important. Oh, yes. The last date for public input was like April. I don't wanna say it was the first because that, that does actually sound like a joke, but I know that it was in April. Mm -hmm. And our show was actually in May. And so people were thankful that I was saying something, even after the date of public input, because, you know, a lot of times these sort of private developments, they're not, um, they're public, right? But they're not public. Um, They're not public in the way that they, you know, I mean, they're, they're public. It's just that, you know, they're, it's just not, um, I guess they're public, but they're not well publicized. Yes. Not advertised. Right. Um, And so not everybody knows about it. And then on top of that, you know uh, there was added insult to injury because they had paid um, some people in the projects, you know, they literally the poorest of the poor and paid them to come down and wear t-shirts and like rally as though they were in heavy support of the project and I thought that every everybody thought that was disrespectful right and um and then and then on top of that the funny part about it right is that even after that day and leading up to the performance uh people were mad because not everybody got paid so now now there's another news story where the poor people that you hired and that you had to put on t-shirts to come and rally and and show the state, right? Because this was this was the state making the decision, the state mm-hmm. gaming commission. And the people that you that you rallied that you paid, you know, to be I mean? to come down and rally to to show the state that they had the neighborhood support. They're now some of them anywhere are now complaining that they did not get paid. And like that, listen it's all transactional, right? You did that, you did that, you know what I mean? You wanted to pay them for the, for their performance and they performed and some of them didn't get paid. So they definitely were going to tell the news and other people because there was no investment. They didn't care that it was just a fully transactional thing. So it was ironic, but that did happen. Um, and so, yeah, I did find that there was support. And I think I initially started a newsletter Um, there was so much going on, but basically like, you know, I ended up starting a newsletter. I named the campaign. (laughs) Um, I did a lot of things because it just, I just realized like, you know, oh, this will not, this will not get done if you don't do it. It was Mm -hmm. just very clear to me. And, uh, and so I just did it and I said like, okay, well, if you're going to do it, you have to go all out. Like you cannot, you can't half-ass this. Um, and so I did. And, and, and by All Out, I, in my estimation, and, and I think this is really important for people to understand, is that All Out in my book does not just include protesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Protesting is not enough. And and, being, and and protesting is important, but it's not enough. So I went to all of those little boring important meetings that people don't you know have time for or don't want to be bothered with. I went to those. The city council meetings, the some of the meetings in Harrisburg, you know, I even made it up there. You know, it just, it, it just, all of those things had to happen. And and the overall concern really was that um, we didn't want for the casino to be this primary sort of predatory, exploitative. Um, business in our neighborhood that was already struggling, you know, mm-hmm. we were, and not just struggling, but that we were also working hard to, to bring different development to our community. We had a lot of, we had a lot of, uh, vacant land, yeah. you know, in our community and, and, you know, uh, Jake Malians had already worked with McCormick Barron and Salazar to create, um, the front, the front door of the Hill district, which was, which is Crawford square. Mm-hmm. You know, when he passed away, Salud Dean came in as our city councilman. He finished the job. He finished Freedom Corner. I mean, you know, there there have been those efforts, and I didn't think they should be for naught. And and even on a very small level, this may seem very small, but we were still a community that was a. Uh, I guess this term has fallen out of fashion now, but we were still a food desert. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, I think it was Salah, I think it was Salud Dean. Who made sure that um, the hill loop went over to the south side, Mm. so that we could take advantage of that grocery store? And that it that seems very small, but it was major because if you didn't have jitney money, Mm -hmm. if you didn't, you know, it 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 was just very important for that to happen. So, I just noticed. uh, Doctor, I
1: wonder, you know, to sort of bring it, loop it back into where we started out the conversation. i sure. um, wonder how you think that moment fit into this idea of two Pittsburghs and, you know, the the whole fight over putting a casino in the Hill District, putting the arena in the Hill District, um, how that fit in because it, you know it seems plausible. You say, well, you have the you know, this outside community that was really dead set on having a hockey arena in the Hill District. And and the casino was just a way to pay for the the right. hockey arena right, right, and then at the same time you had the you know the neighborhood saying well we're not completely sure about this some of us think it's a good idea some of us think it's not how, how does that all fit into this concept that you were talking about the two Pittsburghs yeah I mean it really starts
0: before then it starts with it starts with the um well let me go all the way back and then like I'll rush us forward but basically the the hill district uh specifically like prospect hill um you know, we, we were our own community beginning as early as 1827 Mm -hmm. to 1829. We, you know, we were here first, literally. And that was something that I had to learn. Right. And I was like, wait, wow. Okay. Wait, because I also discovered that there was sort of like, um, this was, this was just, this was like the early Pittsburgh. And so when I went back and I learned that this community was here and this was a free community and that, um, they were the first ones here and that they established this place and they were all abolitionists or most of them and they were they were mm-hmm. all very active they had businesses in market square you know from the bath house to you know the the barber shops to, to the well the newspaper came later but they welcomed martin delaney here and this is all in the 1830s and 40s and, and it blew my mind because i didn't know that and meanwhile, as somebody who was an, an American and Africana Studies scholar, I I could have told you other places, right? Where there was, I was like, oh yeah, the Underground Railroad went through there, there in Cincinnati, and I, I could run down the list. And I knew that Pittsburgh was a place, but I, I did I just had not arrived yet to understanding that it was right here in my neighborhood and specifically right down the street from my house. So that placed me in historical context right Mm -hmm. there's that then it's also that just that when I looked and I said wait so these people and then these people are abolitionists and they're running the underground railroad and then there's the Pittsburgh anti-slavery society and William Lloyd Garrison came and Frederick Douglass came and convinced Martin Delaney to work on the North Star with him and then he did and and I'm thinking to myself oh my goodness there's all of this history here and then I'm learning about the evolution of the unions and the, the labor history, right? That's also very important. And then even some of the gendered history and the achievements that women have made. And I just said to myself, wait, first of all, I wasn't, I was actually taught about, yeah, so I was taught about the Underground Railroad, but more like Harriet Tubman, right? Um, but I wasn't taught about the Underground Railroad here. So it mattered to me that I was relearning progressive Pittsburgh. And I just asked myself like, why Why weren't we taught this? Why aren't we taught this? And why aren't we celebrating this as a part of our legacy? Like this, Pittsburgh should be known for a, to be a progressive space. And instead I'm right here battling this idea that my neighborhood isn't worth preserving. It was such an insult to me. You know, it was, it was enough to, be enraged, um, and then so so there's that part of the neighborhood, and basically when the fugitive slave law was passed in 1850 that's where many of the community left because they were unsafe and they went and they, they moved to Canada, <laughs> mm. to the true north, wow. okay? Because I because I wonder, like, where did these people go? What happened, you know? Um, so they're not that everybody left, but enough people mm. left, you know? And so that, that put a dent in our community. And then you had the next wave. So this is me learning more about my history. You had the next wave of African-Americans who were coming up from the South and a part of the Great Migration. Mm. And they joined the Irish immigrants the Russian immigrants, you know, the Jews in the Lower Hill District, right? And all mm-hmm. of those people, they lived separately yet together. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a lot of mixture and things like that. And I learned that it's, it's that group of people that started to be um, displaced and encouraged to move Because Pittsburgh was chosen as the first urban redevelopment project in the United States of America. They were the first. And that's why we created the Urban Redevelopment Authority. Okay. And so to get that federal money, you know, literally the URA was established so that the money could come in and that they could spend the money. And so I, you know, I looked at the plans, I saw all the early architectural plans. Um, I didn't do all this um, while I was protesting, just, you know, just so you know, this is, I'm I'm giving you, you know, what I've learned over the years, but when you look at the architectural plans, I I looked and I saw that there were supposed to be like at least 20 Washington plazas, you know, at least 20, and there was only one, Mm -hmm. and And i'm looking and i'm like well wait a minute (laughs) wait a minute what you know what happened here and then as i did more research i then i saw you know quite frankly my elders and my ancestors in their sunday best protesting after the arena was built Mm. and their sign said you know we want jobs we pay taxes too you know we want you know what i mean where are our Mm -hmm. jobs and we want to work too and then you know, then I then you see the billboard, that famous billboard that that we all know about at this point in time, that was organized by Frankie Pace, who was head of the citizens, um, the, the Hill Citizens Review Committee or something like that. I'm I'm messing up the name now, but um, and
1: she's you know she's president. can you describe the describe the billboard for yeah 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 yeah
0: the billboard at. yeah so she so she got together with um, model cities with the NAACP and the Poor People's Campaign. And one other organization, and um, it said, "Attention, City Hall and URA, no more redevelopment beyond this point. We demand housing for the Lower Hill." And it was it that billboard is set was set on Center and Crawford Street, mm-hmm. and that is where Freedom Corner is today. Yeah. And and in fact, that's why Freedom. Well, that's and the billboard is not the only reason why. Um, Freedom Corner was preserved. They would usually um, all the marches would start at basically at Saint Benedict the Moor Church, and oftentimes the rallies would begin at the, on the steps, and they would sit on the steps, and whoever the speakers were would stand on the sidewalk, and then they would you know talk to the crowd, and so those steps are replicated on the the three steps there uh, at Freedom Corner. I, I can go on and on about Freedom Corner, but point being that that's you know so I'm I'm learning my history, I'm stepping into it. And I'm also a part of it, um, and so yeah. I, so I I thought that the way the way that other Pittsburgh, so 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 the two Pittsburghs, right? Um, I, I I can't describe this first group as anything other than white supremacists and racists, right? Um, because the way they described my neighborhood was a disgrace. You know, if you, if you, you, I mean, I'm sure some of this stuff is still there, but if you look back at the old articles, um, every time there was a description of the casino and the fact that we were actually fighting against it, there would be so many, so many racist and disparaging comments. It was just, it got to the point, I, I think this was before, you know. Um, newspapers started to turn the comments off. You know, now we do that. Now we like shut the comments down because we know like this could be reflective of our brand, right? But back then they, there was no commentary. I listened to the radio programs and literally people were like, oh hell, you know, don't they have crime there anyway? Why does it matter? You know, you go there, you get robbed, you go there. And it's just, and, and I'm thinking to myself now, listen, yes, there is crime you know, uh, and there are pockets, you know, but the second part is that I have now lived outside of Pittsburgh. I have now lived around where other white people live around, right? I've now been in other communities. I read the police reports. I read the newspapers and I'm like, oh, no white people. You don't get to have this narrative that only black people, you know, are, are have crime. Right. Um, and I saw that like, you know, and, and especially being on a private a private college campus, I saw the ways that the crimes that would occur on the campus, they would not be publicly reported. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I saw the, the layers of privilege, the layers of what was, you know, reported or not reported, stated or not stated um, in order to protect, you know, the private university. And, and in order to keep your statistics low you know what I mean? So that people will still send their children to your school and people will still send. So I just, I, I said like that. That's, that's not a game that you can run on me, you know and we're not gonna play respectability politics uh, to serve as the reason for which we deserve a casino in our neighborhood, this is not going to happen. And then, you know, the other part is that when I started the newsletter, um, I got so many people across the racial spectrum across Pittsburgh saying, I live in Squirrel Hill and we would never, we would never accept this in our neighborhood. Sweetheart, keep fighting. Right? right. And they would say, I live in Upper St. Clair. You know what I mean? You're you're doing the right thing. Keep going. Like people were writing from all across Pittsburgh. So I I was already internally centered. And yep. then I was like further situated that like, yeah. So now this is two sides of Pittsburgh, you know? Yep um, hearing these very ridiculous narratives and this, these racist narratives on the radio, um, they, and they were only peppered <laughs> with the, for whatever reason, the, you know, the racists they seem to know how to get to the media better or faster. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, you know, because there were other people writing op-eds, but there were more people writing directly to me, and I would, I would publish some of their letters in the news, in the, in the newsletter sometimes, um, And so that is how, that's how I discovered that there was two Pittsburghs, that literally there's this progressive Pittsburgh with this progressive history. And that's not just about the Underground Railroad, but it's about the development of labor and, you know, and like I said, you know, gender advancements and and that philanthropy even. this idea, you know, I even learned about Andrew Carnegie. Even more recently, I learned something new. But you know, just I, I, there's just this whole idea of all of these people trying to create a beloved community, um, and then there is this other side of Pittsburgh, e- including the Pittsburgh There were people that wanted slavery to continue, right? There were people that wanted to aid, you know, um, and participate in returning people who were enslaved back to slavery. So, so there was always this battle. And, and for me, being an American studies scholar, I knew that Pittsburgh served as a microcosm of all of America. There's two Americas, there's two Pittsburghs, at least two, you know, and, um, but there's only one body here <laughs> that was like literally and figuratively embodying both sides and in, in real time. And and that's how I operated with regard to the casino. Um, and, and and long story short, uh, it, it, it was an uphill battle, to be honest with you, because the mayor was was approving of it, the pens were approving of it, um, city council. I mean, there were there were you know there were yeah even even my rep even my own rep at the time, Tanya Payne, God bless her, you know, because she's passed away since then. Um, but she was, she was in support and so I was definitely isolated and I felt alone, but I just kept going and I did have other supporters. Um, and I think the most important part of this is that the decision was going to be made by the state. And so what I was told is that while the public um, opinion process, the official public input process was over in April that these people are still human beings. They still read the news. They still, uh, you know, they still watch television. And so my goal was to get on every station at every point, you know, just to kind of bombard the media. Um, and I I got into <laughs> a position. That, I mean, this is pretty funny, but this but this was performance, right? That like I literally got up every day, and I then I had to like make up my face. And I am not someone that wears makeup all the time. <laughs> And I was so angry, like I was, I was a little angry about it. And I was like, you know what, I really, do I have to? And I was like, yes, you do. Yes, you do, like just keep going. The decision is, I knew, I knew that there was a deadline, right? So the decision was gonna be made December 4th or something like that. And so I was like, just keep going, just keep going until December 4th, like you have to do this. And so, and then the word spread. So it, while I was at first alone on Freedom Corner, the next thing you know, five people join me. Next thing you know, ten people join, and, and then the next thing you know, I heard from Derek Bell. I didn't know that Derek Bell was, um, you know, Professor Derek Bell, who has also since passed away. Um, the the Harvard Law Prof the you know the Harvard Law professor like he was yeah. here in Pittsburgh, and that that blew my mind. And he wrote me, and 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 he sent me some money, and. Um, he he came and and spoke at the you know so then it was like a huge rally that was the last one and i i incorporated art into it i just you know i I felt like a protest doesn't have to be um i mean you you know you want to make your point but it doesn't have to be like you know (laughs) demotivational so i just i used it as a stage and i am a performing artist although i barely spoke um and i just the community came out the community came out they really they did a great job and i felt that i had done my job and i also because it was in november um i got a very keen lesson of of this old time saying of being um uh what is it chilled to the bone oh yeah yeah when i came home from those rallies, it took me hours to get warm. Like, I literally felt my bones were chilled. So, so I did that. And, and I'm, I'm proud of the whole community. Um, and I'm you glad that we won, but, but I'll say that like yeah, the flip side of the two Pittsburgh things is that, um, what, 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 en- what enabled us to win, which is very important is that Uh, Ed Rendell created what he called plan B. And then so that that opened Mm -hmm. up the door that anybody who got the casino license, they had to pay for the arena. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, perfect, because we had always said, like, we're not against the arena. We're not against like the hockey team or anything like that. I wasn't against the pens. It's just, we can't have this casino in our neighborhood. So you need to find another way, you know, to, to have it, to have the arena be paid for. And that's what happened. You know, Don Barden ended up winning and he also passed away. Actually, now that I think about this. Um, so Don Barden ended up winning uh, the casino license. And in turn, he had to pay for the arena And in turn, he gave a $3 million investment to the north side, and he also gave a $3 million investment to the Hill District. And so in many ways, everybody won. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so I wonder, we only have about 10 minutes left. Um, And so I just, but I wonder if you could bring it forward to us then. Here we are 15 years later. What what does winning look like, and what does that mean for, you know, the two two Pittsburghs we've been talking about, and what does it mean for the Hill District?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been here, you know, so we, we had many different conversations, many different groups, many different uh, investment opportunities and different things to happen. But I guess to put a bow on this, um, we're now at the point where um, the Hill District, even after that had, um, for the arena, the Hill District had wanted to create well this was in this was based on Los Angeles right in Los Angeles there was arena there was an arena that was that was being built and the idea of a community benefits agreement actually the very first one happened in Los Angeles California
1: the, the Staples Center is that the Staples yep. Center
0: yeah yeah so yeah and it was and it was the fact that it was like near the airport and things like that and so they needed to do things for for the, for the entire community which included the airport um, and so I, at somehow, uh, you know, and, and again, right? This is this is a labor union type of thing, so labor brought this idea to us, <laughs> um, and maybe it was SEIU. I don't even actually I don't even know, but basically, I know that the the first contract came through SEIU, um, and so one hill was created, and we did a community benefits agreement that was very mediocre. I mean, um, the process was great the end result was not so great. And some of us signed it, some of us did not sign it. I didn't sign it because I didn't think it was good enough for our neighborhood. Um, And I'm glad we did it though, because it was, it it was the, we brought, we did the first, you know, community benefits agreement for the state of Pennsylvania. Why is this important? Because the next time, which is now, the community came together and did a bet. It's called a community collaborative. Oh, I'm forgetting the name, but basically the short, the short, uh, the the community collaborative implementation plan.
2: Hmm.
0: That is, that is created because the Lower Hill Redevelopment Project, you know, the city gave um, the development rights to the penguins.
2: Hmm. So
0: the Lower Hill Redevelopment Project is a, as a, you know, large, it's a, it's a partly publicly funded project and by many tax dollars and tax investments and whatnot. Therefore the community created this community collaborative implementation plan, which is basically a community benefits plan. And, um, and they did a good job with that. And so that it's, it's a legally binding thing. And, um, the lower Hill redevelopment project I'm now actually working on. Yeah. So how was that
1: reflected in what's going to be, what is being built in the hill, right? I mean, it's, it's starting to look like something now. So what, h- yeah. how is that going to make it different? You know, how is the community's input going to affect that project?
0: So basically FNB Bank is going to be the anchor tenant in a 26 story uh, office tower. That's going to be that anchor development to serve for the total redevelopment of the entire lower hill. Um, and well, you know, the 28 acres as we as we called it. Right. Um, it's a it's an at least a $1.5 million project. And um, though the pens own the development rights, this is still a partnership between the pens, the URA, the SEA, and then FNB Bank, PJ Dick Construction Company, and the developer Buccini Poland Group or BPG. And so I actually work for BPG Bomani House as the vice president of Pittsburgh. Uh, and he's doing a great job. I, I, I love working with all of them, actually. And um,
1: so the... Do you feel like the community has a, a seat at the table now then? Is it going to be reflected in what comes out of this project? Yes. Yes, it will.
0: Where, where is it located, Kim? Right, right. Literally in the lower, like in the parking lot. <laughs> so right right by where that
2: gas station used to be on center on uh no no, no,
0: no no this is the lower hill this is literally where the arena was where the arena was
2: oh oh, oh okay i got gotcha. you
0: whole area that has been a parking lot literally for yes. my entire life my entire life i mean when That's i look right. back I'm like wow you know so yes i mean this is I, I, to be honest with you this is the most important development in the city of pittsburgh in the last easily the last 60 years now, isn't there supposed to be a greenway too, or is that different? No, there's a, the the green print does exist, but not but it yeah the green print the green print print is a part of it. But okay. we did our whole master plan like there's so many different levels. But we basically the hill district did a master plan. Yeah, it needs to be upgraded. It was you know we did that at least ten years ago. We need yeah. to get in things like that. But the point is that this is the most important and the most expensive development in the last 60 years. Wow. And the community does actually have a legal, a legally binding seat at the table. And that is extremely important because we are creating a partnership that will serve as the basis for all the development mm-hmm. um, throughout the city. And I think I think it should I think that it should serve as the model. Yeah. If this pans out the way it should, if it pans out the way it should, and I believe that it will, it should serve as the model for how to do development in Pittsburgh. So this brings us full circle because Pittsburgh was the first urban development authority. And now, even though this is like mixed with the private development, um, we are once again upon the precipice of history of how to do development in in an equitable way yeah. and with the community that has suffered disinvestment mm-hmm. over the years. Um, that's what we're looking forward to and I do have very posi- a very positive outlook on what will happen in the future. Nice. And, and to be honest, that to me is what is bringing uh the two Pittsburghs together. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is where I feel like I can be my whole self because literally they hired me to to literally write the narrative of the story of what we're doing and to to center the hill district's history hmm. and, and and we have adopted as our theme honor and repair that's our theme and i wrote that
1: wow you know, so I mean, talk about performance right like you're the whole lower hill is going to be your next performance then yeah.
0: <laughs> right i mean so see, i i guess <laughs> Yeah. i guess but but i mean i think that it's important it, it's really the whole hill right because it's the important part about the csip and what we're doing is that yes the low, this lower hill project is going to be successful it's going to be amazing but it's it's meant to have shared prosperity so that we can develop the middle hill and the upper hill you know yeah. there's a ton of vacant land yes. up in the hill you know it's ridiculous and mm-hmm. as i've traveled around the world I, you know i'm like this this just we we can't let it be so this is the way to to honor and repair every part of our history and and i'm i'm very happy that we can do it together i'm happy that this is an interracial multicultural project yeah and that will benefit all of pittsburgh it it will benefit all of pittsburgh but it begins with the most vulnerable community which is the historic hill district of pittsburgh pennsylvania
2: yeah i hope it don't become mm -hmm. a model for other urban other communities that have the same issues. So, you know, there's, there's empty homes and empty buildings and vacant land all through Homewood um, as well. And so I think that, you know, it's sad to see that in a city that has so much land and buildings and then they're empty and then there's people who are living in poverty and homeless. It makes no sense, actually.
0: Yeah, and so, this is South Africa, you know, we need to right. do a better job, and then, yeah. and that can be a model, literally, like I said, like for the world. I, 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 that's how I see it. Yeah, Andrew, you said something I didn't hear. What you? Well, said. I just, I,
1: I, didn't expect when we started out that you were going to bring it around to a happy ending at the end. So, <laughs> but you did. So, you brought us home. So, I, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for for being here today with us. You know, thank. That's okay. No, thanks for um, being here and, and sharing that, you know, sort of a, a walk down memory lane for, for the two of us at least. And, uh, you know, hopefully everybody else enjoyed it. And I, I really appreciate that you were able to, um, and then bring it up to, to today and where we are today. And, and hopefully there's some lessons we can learn from that experience. I know it's been painful for the community in many ways. And so um, to have a positive outcome, you know, to feel like there's a positive outcome that we can carry forward, I think is terrific. So thank yeah.
0: you. I
2: do. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Kim. Good to see you again. Absolutely. And hear what you're up to.
1: <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's show with Dr. Ellis. Barbara, what do you think about what she had to say about the Lower Hill District and its, uh, its past and its future?
2: You know dr ellis is just um blossoming and bubbling with the history that she remembers and that she's experienced and that she's researched so i'm always just in awe listening to her because i learn so so much i hope that uh the work that she continues to do creates some um, a sustainable future for the hill district in ways that allow all of the young people coming into the Hill District to really be able to appreciate the amazing history that has been part of the Pittsburgh, the Greater Pittsburgh community. So I think that there's going to be a good future ahead um, under the, definitely under the uh, support and leadership and guidance of uh, Dr. Kim Ellis.
1: Yeah, and thanks for indulging us a little bit. It was it was nice for me to reconnect with her. I, I haven't talked to her in 15 years, you know, and I only had talked with her previously as a, a reporter who was covering the, you know, the the Penguins' attempts to get a casino for the Hill District. And uh, of course she was right in the middle of all of that. And uh, so for me, it was nice to, to reconnect with her and, and to see her from another perspective. So.
2: Yeah, great conversation. Yeah.
1: Well, this episode of Among Neighbors was recorded remotely and produced by Eddie Robos. You can find all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts and at the Center for centerformediainnovation.org. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye.